0: Good morning, gotta get myself situated just a second. It's good to see you. um I hope that you're having a good summer. I know that for most of us, who don't like realizing this, that it just slips away so quickly. And other of us with uh, kids, I think we have this like bittersweet feeling of the time that we get together, but also the break of school that is <laughs> not so distant. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I can, I can feel the grind that the summer is, that uh, it's supposed to, the promise of a break, the promise of good weather and opportunities for fun. Uh, but then you have these things like uh, early Sunday morning that you're supposed to be here at 10.45, right, for some of you. And uh, I know that it can feel a little bit like a routine or a discipline, something that you're maybe not looking forward to, but I want to just remind you as a church, when we take communion we do things, just know that you're not always showing up because it's about you or what God wants to even say to you. Uh, sometimes it's about how God's going to use you to encourage someone else, uh, to be uh, a voice, uh, an opportunity to be the community that we're supposed to be. Um, It might just be a smile, it might be a handshake, it might be a kind word. It might just be your very presence that gives the people around you confidence to know that they're not alone. And uh, there are people in this room right now that feel alone. And your very presence brings that. So thank you. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for being a part of our church. I got something really cool I got to show you first. We're in the Gospel of John. John. And uh, the Bible Project, which is, if you go to kingswaymo.info or .com and you look up the sermon notes, you'll see this. Um, It's a really cool poster. Now, I have the digital form right here, but I have the copy version right here. And it is super, super cool, all right? And you know how you can't read any of this because it's like ants? You can read it on here, all right? So uh, I'm going to leave this up front, and please don't steal it, but you can come up and look at it. All right, uh, and you could even take a picture of it with your phone, uh, and then you could zoom it in or whatever. But this is the whole Gospel of John explained, and it's illustrated, highlights. I mean, just everything about it is kind of laid out. So you could cheat, all right, and learn all this stuff without having to listen to all these sermons. Um, but <laughs> some of the stuff that's in here is just mind-boggling cool especially if you're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church in this series, which is reading through the book of John um, and trying to get through it at least once. But I'm challenging you maybe to even do it more. And having this as a little cheat-cheat, right? So you get a little confused, a little verbiage, a little like, what the heck's going on? You just pull out your old spark notes. Anybody remember spark notes? Yeah, some of y'all didn't cheat in college. Good for you. Cliff notes, whatever you want to call it, all right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my wife's in here. I figured she'd say amen. Uh, <laughs> but this is so cool because all of a sudden in a sentence or two, you'll, you'll be like, oh, I get it. And even what we're talking about today uh, is so well explained in just the first little picture. And, and I'm writing my sermon and thinking through it, and I got some people helping me do that, and it's, it's a great little group. And at, at the end of what I wrote, I reread what was here. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really good. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that's really good. They must have had some smart people looking at that. <laughs> so uh, I, I hope that you're uh, excited because I, I kind of challenged you last week. And if you weren't here, you kind of didn't get to hear it. But maybe go back and listen. But look at John with some fresh eyes. And on the challenge for the series is not necessarily that what i 'm going to say is going to be like, "Oh my gosh, I 've never heard that before, because you know we got like John 10, ten, three, John three sixteen, John 15, all those are just like these crazy. You might even have some of these verses on your walls, like you go home and you got some portrait of, it and you 're like, "Oh look, John, there it is it 's been staring at me because it is it's quoted and it 's and it's common in, in our language sometimes, but it is so deep and so interesting and so incredibly powerful. And the way that this book is put together. And I'm going to illustrate that even in another way today by talking about five verses. That's all we're going to get through. There's 21 chapters of John and we're going to talk about five verses. That means we're going to be here for 10 years. No, I'm we're going to be here for a while. No, but I, I'm, I'm excited to, to show you how incredibly deep and powerful this book is by just talking about the first five verses today. So I'm going to read those and we're going to dive in. But I want to read them and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pull three main thoughts out of it, and then I want to give you three main thoughts that go with those. And the reason being that it was just too good to go any further, just truthfully. So let me read this, and then I'll pray. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. and The Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Through the light, though the light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. Dear Heavenly Father, I and we do not believe Because of words on a page, we believe because men and women have testified for thousands of years now through words on a page that God came down and that Jesus died as God on a cross and was raised to life and people saw it, heard it, and believed it. As we study the Gospel of John, open our eyes, open our ears to hear freshly this good news. That we would believe as well. It's your name. We pray. Amen. So let's just break this thing down. Break it down. Break it down. All right. First verse. I know. But stink with me. We're gonna go. First verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God, and the word was God. See, oh, it's like a rap song. I'm terrible at rap. Also, can't rap crescents. Coincidence? I think not. Dad joke level thousand. All right. Here we go. So this word, word, it, it must mean something. I mean, if it's here at the beginning, and he's Using it, it's got to mean something. So I don't know if you picked up on this, but normally we don't say things like, in the beginning was a, the word. That's just not a common sentence that we see. Like that, that word, in fact, kind of seems to have more going on than word, right? So that word in Greek, which is what the Gospel of John was written in, is uh, logos or logos, depending on who your Greek teacher was. Okay? See it right there. So some of you have, have maybe even seen this sometimes. You know, like there's a Lagos software, all right, which is a Bible teaching, Bible learning software, and it's all based on this concept. The beginning, it was with God, it was God, it was there in the beginning. For a lot of you, if you started reading John this week, you got this far before you're like, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And that's really, really important to recognize. Really, really important. I want to illustrate this in the best way possible. And I think going to Genesis is the best way to realize what John is doing in John 1. Is he is doing what all of us would recognize as calling to something that has been established in the culture as relevant, powerful, and true. So, much like if I went like this, in a galaxy... Far, far away. Right? You'd be like, there was only three movies, and they were the best ones, and now there's worse ones, right? That's what you would say. (laughs) But look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens And the earth. Now, pause. If you're going to start a letter with calling to the most and one of the most important texts in the Old Testament, and then using the very same words to start the book, you better have some things to say. Now, let's go back to John and let's read John because. It's going to make more sense. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then it says in verse 2, he created, he was with God in the beginning, he created all things. It's basically what it's going to go to. It's literally telling you where he's pulling the information from. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Pause. So here's what he's doing. You ready? My story is the same story you've been told from the very beginning. It's the same story. But it's a new work. It's the same story, new chapter, new verse. But don't get it mixed up as being something different set apart, or completely brand new, these are connected, interwoven. And don't go confusing this story, look at me, as if a man somehow, this God, came down and became man. It's the first thought I want you to have with these first verses is this. This is not a story about man becoming God. This is a story about God becoming man. This is not John setting this up going, whoo, man, there was this guy and he did a really good job. No, no, no. He's saying, everything I'm about to tell you, Jesus, the Word was with God in the beginning. As in, he is God. He was not a man created, but he is God. And he became a man. Which makes sense when you figure out how God started the world in Genesis 1. Let's go back. Let's just tie this all together. Here's what's so cool. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface. Don't miss the darkness here. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now pay attention to how God starts creation. God said, let there be light. How did creation start in this story? Words. His will and his mind became words, and let there be light, gave birth to light. So the word birthed light. Let's go back to John 1 just for a second. Can you see how he's pulling on this? If you memorize this text as a kid, and then you read John 1, all of a sudden you start connecting things like, wait a second. He's using word intentionally. In the beginning was the word, let there be light. And what is light always connected to in John? I told you this last week. Life. Light is always connected to life. Let there be light is the word. And the word, that word, that very will, and those very words were the same mind, same path, same story from the very beginning. Pretty cool. And the word was with God is the last part of that. And that's important to know. The will of the Father and his word were the same mission, same goal, from the very beginning. You tracking with me still? This is just word number one. Here's number two. You ready? If the light is life, then what is Jesus extending? Go to the, go to, keep going, verse three. Light is life, is my second point. Through all things we were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. In him was life. This is going to be a huge theme. And life was the light. Do you feel Genesis being pulled out here even more? The life was light of all mankind. Anybody feel any darkness in these world this day? We're going to get to this in a second, but... In Genesis, I won't go back to make you read it again, but it says it is void and without shape, the darkness. And then God speaks, and there is light. And what John is hopeless, without hope. And into Jesus was born, and he gave light. And that light him was light and the life was for all mankind it's a new covenant it's a fresh start it's looking at the world and going it's hopeless there's nothing out here it's dark no one has the answers we don't know what to do no one can fix it there is heartache and brokenness and sickness and so much sin and into him, into this world, was the light. Now, it doesn't sound like they had a much better 2,000 years ago, because that seems to describe us today. So what's really important for you tonight, or today, I should say, for us today, is to recognize this new covenant. Now, if this is true, if God is Jesus, and Jesus is offering light and life, Wouldn't he talk about it in the book of John? I just want to give you an idea of how much John's going to explore this idea of life. Here's the seven I am statements of John. I mentioned these last week. These are so cool. Look at what Jesus offers when he says that I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door to everlasting life. I am the good shepherd who guards his sheep, lays down his life. For his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. No one survives. No one is alive without being connected to the life that is provided by the vine. We are the branches. John literally picks out seven times specifically. This perfect number that Jesus references, this idea that he is the life to all mankind. Can you see how he's laying the groundwork to this book? He's drawing you into saying, yes, you've heard this before in the beginning, but let me tell you what God's doing in a new beginning. It's the next chapter. Turn the page New life is being shown. The darkness that you feel now is being offered fresh light. Pretty cool. I know for me, this is incredibly exciting because you know what this means, and this is my last thought for today. There's no gray in this. And that's the conclusion of these five verses. Four and five say this. I think it's powerful when you read them. First uh, John chapter 4. <laughs> Sorry, jumping around a little bit. Through all him, things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him, it was life, and that life was the light of the world. And then he goes into this illustration. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's black and white. There's no gray. The conversation is here is that there's either light or there's dark. Light doesn't just suddenly give way to darkness and just let it come in and take over. It's either one or the other. It's either one or the other. One of my favorite things that I'm learning about the gospel of John is that it is one of the easiest books to understand exactly what is being taught and what is exactly being shown the entire time. There is nothing in this book that should ever give you pause to what John is writing about. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it, is a absolute black and white thought process for this book. It is one way or the other. John 20, 31 tells us that there is no gray in this book. None. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God, connected to God, a part of God, the messenger, the word and will of God. And that you may believe, that you may believe, and by believing that you may have life in his name. There's that word life again. The concrete, most incredibly transparently clear purpose of this book is that you will see that there is light in Jesus and darkness outside of him. That there is belief in him and then there is no belief in him. And John is saying, I wrote all this down so you will believe. Now, I have a couple more things to say, but this is where we get to have a really fun conversation. Because I laid all this out to talk about this thing. John is all about believe. Where are you at in your life on this journey? Because here's, here's the thing. It's 11.30, 11.45 on a Sunday in the middle of summer. Most of us have been going to church for a really long time. Some of you, you are new and you are, you are, you are so eating this up today because you're like, wow, I'm finally learning something, not just talking about something that someone else once said. Others of you, the Bible is one of the most intimidating things ever. Like, everybody seems to already have an opinion about it, and you're not even sure about it. And so you're just here just to learn a little bit about the Bible and kind of get some ideas and then slowly back away. <laughs> I get that. But for some of us, look, let me, let me be real. I don't read the Bible because I need to believe more most of the time. You know when I read the Bible? Because I can feel better about how I'm doing. The word, the word that I would use, is it's, it's called sanctification. It's a huge word, but it really just means this. You're being sanctified, you're being purified, you're being made whole, you're being made better. Not a bad word in any way, but when all you're doing is coming to church to be sanctified, it can turn into the conversation of, I'm just trying to get better so I can get in. You feel the... Contradiction to belief in that. Uh, Can you imagine if uh, someone that's famous, let's just go with an actor, maybe... uh, Let's just just use Michael Jordan. He's the easiest one. Can you imagine if Michael Jordan waited to believe that he was the best player in the world until he won six NBA championships and a couple MVPs? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine he's like, I won't believe it until this happens. I'm not going to practice I'm not going to show up. I mean, I just need to wait until those accolades come into my life. I know for for a lot of us, that seems totally silly, and I, I know that's... But do you feel the tension, people, if you've been in the church for longer than like 10 days? That you just compare yourselves to other people? You start asking yourselves different questions. You, you say different words that other people have learned not to say. Uh, you do certain things that other people evidently have learned how to stop. Uh, you, you have a culture and a part of your family that other people like, have eliminated for like generations that you're like, yeah, that's still here. <laughs> this, and we all put our clean you know, napkins on for, the, for our outward appearance, and then in the inside we're just like halls full of ketchup stains. I think John feels the tension of that. And he's like less than a century into following Jesus. Here's why this no gray, this black and white thing makes me just go, oh my gosh, is this really it? Do you know why John wrote this book? It's it's so you would know where the line is in the sand to being with Jesus. It's so that when you would read this book, by the end of it, you would see this line and you would go, oh, it's not all those things that we compare. It's not all those things that we can discuss and talk about that would bring fuller life, that would absolutely bring great things. But those are, those are not the line. Those, those are things that we can externally talk about and debate and, and, and bring, be in conversation in a humble and loving way for sure. But that is not the line. It's not the line. There is no communion in John. There's no virgin birth in John. There is hardly any, if any, direct quotes to how you should even change your life in John. You know what John says? Believe. Over and over and over. Abide. Which abide just means believe in, sin, in him. Walk with him. Be with him. Over and over again. You know how convicting that is? That I can get so caught up in my ability to juggle certain things or change certain things in my life that I would think that that would provide belief. That I would think that that would be the thing that would change my life. You know what that looks like? That that's believing that this is a man that became God and I can follow him. Oh, I don't like that. That's believing the old list of rules rather than the new relationship covenant. That's not belief at all, that's control. That's not trust. That's a negotiation. I feel it in my own heart. I don't read the Bible sometimes because I don't want to be convicted about my lack of belief. Not my lack of external compliance. In fact, I will tell you this, it's very, very capable of us to be obese in our obedience with the wrong heart. Our ability to put on a performance but leave the true change and transformation at the center that only comes from real belief behind. And I think John knew that. I think John knew that. Cuz John only has one objective and that's for you to believe. Th- this is all he wants out of you, out of this book. You shouldn't be reading this book going, "Oh, I'm a terrible person. Oh my gosh, I've just done terrible things." You will feel that. But in those moments you should not be going, "I need to change." You going to be going I need a Savior. Does that tell me? This is the difference. I need to change beliefs that you can change yourself, that you can save yourself, that you can wrestle with these and it'll, you'll overcome it. And I promise you, let's just, let's just bring the people with some more experience in the Christian. Let's just bring them up here and ask them some questions about how their life's going with that track. Because I'll tell you, I have enough conversations behind the scenes and no one, I don't care if you're 70 or if you're 17, no one's going, I got it all figured out. Sign me up. But I'll tell you this right now, whether you're 17 or 70, you find somebody, not that memorized the Bible, not that has the answers, not that's conformed. You find somebody either at 70 or 17 that has real belief it's intoxicating oh my gosh you're like they may still say some things do some things and have some ignorance in their life that you're someday you're like i hope you figure that out but the intoxication of their real true belief you want it oh i want that i want it i want it so bad I want it deep in my heart. I want it deep in my bones. I want to feel it that I truly believe that God became a man. And then from the very beginning, he has had a new covenant plan to reveal the depth of his love for you and me. And it has nothing to do with sanctification, how well you're doing right now It has everything to do with your identity. And he loves you. He cares about you. He believes in you. And he longs for you to believe in him. If we read the book of John like this, whoo man. We light some fires in here. We might still say some words sometimes. It's okay. Let that belief take root. Abide in him and believe that he ain't as concerned about that as he is about you. John wasn't. And he's the one that Jesus loved. That's all he could say for himself. So I don't know where you're at on this whole reading John thing yet. I challenged you last week. If you're trying to read it once a week, it's three chapters a day. If you're trying to read it in a month, all right, it's 30 days, you just need to read five out of every seven days, and you could read it in a month, all right? Some of y'all aren't math experts, but I'll just say this. You get two days off a week, read a chapter on the other five, all right? Some of you want to get through it, and you just want to bond, you can read the whole thing in three weeks at one chapter a day. Doesn't take long, and look, the Bible app. You just look the Bible app up; it'll read it to you. All right? Get yourself soaking a bath. All right. And just listen to the words of John. All right. Drive where you're going. You might be as angry as I'll get out yelling at somebody. I don't need to change that yet. I just need to believe. All right. <laughs> but what if? What if each of us? believed in the power of John and what he's talking about in his testimony that it, it could it be that simple that if each of us, whether it's new or afresh, would see that line again and say, I'm in. Step into the light out of your current darkness Believe in God who came for you. And let that be enough for now. Because John certainly said, it is. I'm excited to continue our discussion next week. One little step at a time. Or one giant leap of belief at a time.